To all who come to this happy place, welcome. Welcome. Well, come in. Let's put on the show. Your cadaverous pallor. Aloha. Betrays an aura of foreboding. Hang on to them hats and glasses. And now, ladies and gentlemen, remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Remain Seated, Please. I'm Robert. I'm David. I'm Anthea. I'm Susie. The whole cast is here, and we are going to talk about attractions that never were. What does that mean? Well, I'm trying to think of what was the impetus to this, but one of the attractions we're going to cover this episode, the Snow Queen attraction, I think when Frozen was out, they did something in the Lincoln lobby with all of Mm -hmm. Mark Davis's artwork for it. And uh, you always hear about these great ideas and they either never come to fruition or they're always like blue sky ideas and there's a bevy of choices so we chose four for this episode and then going down the rabbit hole of doing my research then i'm like oh my gosh this is going to be like the first part of a multi-part series Uh because exactly we could do several there were so many great things i saw just researching my part that i was like oh my gosh i didn't even know this was a thing and let me i try not to do too much research about the new thing so i could focus on my thing yeah yeah. (laughs) so why don't we get right into it david you want to start with yours sure i definitely have like welcome to my ted talk i have a (laughs) (laughs) a large so um where are we going we're going right across the gate from disneyland to westcott center Oh, Westcott. Now, oh when oh my God. when we were talking about this, Robert was like, oh, there was the Westcott idea. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. Because what I remembered was Port Disney. Mm-hmm. And I remembered Port Disney and Westcott always being talked about at the same time and never put together that they were separate things. However, they did fulfill one purpose. So this goes all the way back to 1954 when Walt Disney was building Disneyland. Mm -hmm. He sunk everything into Disneyland and had no money left to build a hotel, but he really, really wanted to. So he leased it to hotelier Jack Rather. He leased the land. Is that a real thing? Mm-hmm. Hotel year? Mm-hmm. I think so. I don't know. There's a band called The Hotel Year, but I think that's a Hotel Year reference, which is an Atari song. He's the owner of the hotel. <laughs> yes. Um, a hotel mogul. Would he, there you go. Okay, <laughs> got it. That, I can go with that. Yeah. We'll go with that. So Walt Disney gave him a 99-year lease on the land and could build any Disney hotel. So any Disney hotel would be a rather hotel. And that was the plan. However, as Disneyland got more and more popular over the years, the Disney company kept approaching Derek Wagner saying, hey, you don't want to sell... Jack Wagner. Jack, I, I, then when I kept <laughs> reading it, I kept thinking Jack Wagner. Jack Rather. Like Dan Rather. Mm-hmm. Um, except with a W. And Disney would rather own the hotel than... <laughs> what? <laughs> Rather, rather, oh my gosh. (laughs) Robert's gonna really, every time, he doesn't miss a beat. (laughs) Can't get any of those puns by him. So, over the years, Disney kept approaching Jack Rather 
to purchase the lease back. And he was like, no, I'm pretty happy with this deal. And, and things went on. Well, come 1985, when Michael Eisner took over the Disney company. Hi folks, I'm Michael Eisner. Seven months later, Jack Rather passed away. He had a grand vision because Disney at that point was firing on all cylinders park-wise. MGM Studios was being planned and ended up becoming a big hit. And Tokyo Disney was a hit. And Euro Disney on paper was going to be this huge hit. He was like, we got to do something in California. Let's add this whole other park idea. And the first park was Port Disney. So Michael Eisner decided, let me now go in and buy the lease back from Jack Rather. At the time, finally, there was competition. So there was some Australian company that wanted to buy the lease and buy the hotel. And so what Michael Eisner did was jack up the lease of the monorail stop to basically make it unappealing to any competitors. Oh, that's sneaky. That's However, <laughs> they both went sneaky together and the Australian company and Disney bought the hotel together. Then Disney bought out the... <laughs> and wow. I think that was the plan. The whole It was shady dealings, mm -hmm. but... That was the plan. And with that came the Queen Mary. So with the Queen Mary, this entire second gate down in Long Beach was planned. But they were going to have to fill in the bay. But it was going to be amazing. And the theme park there was going to be Disney Sea, which was going to have this amazing Oceana main thing that sort of looks like a, like a multi-bulbed spaceship Earth. And it was going to be this two-story aquarium and there was going to be a research center and all this amazing stuff there was going to be a huge mountain in the back of it and all this great attraction stuff can you imagine if they did do this and they had buses going from disneyland to there you'd be on the bus for two hours of traffic sometimes <laughs> well yeah i guess it would have to be a multi-day experience you couldn't go to both parks in yeah, one day park practically pop. yeah but if you're staying at the hotel at disneyland i just don't think right while it would have been a really nice idea. It just logistically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, to have them that far apart. For sure. And with having to fill in the bay, they were going to have well, a, a, yeah. a dock there for five cruise ships. They were going to move the Queen Mary down the dock a little bit to then make room for these other like clipper ships to give cruises. And then they were basically going to control that bay. Mm -hmm. It was going to be a $3.1 billion project. But I think all that other stuff like you make work. But like literally, be the just the distance between the two. Sure, and things, that, that also they're just separate. At that, that also point. played a big factor in it. Well, I don't know. I feel like Disney would have figured out transportation wise oh how God. to cut that through, okay. or yeah, like a monorail, or maybe even For like sure. a like a rail line that goes between the two areas. It's funny because sure. I try not to do too much Port Disney stuff because I thought they were one and the same. Which mm -hmm. on paper they sort of were the idea of it was one and the same. I never saw any clear plans that there was some monorail plan to go between <laughs> the two parks do, <laughs> <laughs> but it was going to be quite the deal mm -hmm. so it had its critics it had environmental issues it was a whole logistical thing because downtown long beach if you haven't been there is already very very tight yes it's um, very congested area. yeah just getting to the aquarium is like a whole thing the city of Long Beach loved the idea because it was going to like sort of revigorate this pretty much industrial area. But the ideas pretty much went away. Then the idea for Disney Sea came back in 96. Tokyo Disney built it as their second park, and it is a gorgeous park. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the best Disney park to ever be built, people say. To ever be built, that's true, because once I looked up Westcott Center, that would have 100% been the greatest Disney park <laughs> to have ever been built. <laughs> now, West you guys, he like... 
He like went through a depression. <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> now Westcott. Westcott. What does the W E S T stand for for Community of Tomorrow, or well, is it just a play on Epcot? It's funny. I thought that the whole time, but I like I made like a mental bookmark that I never went back to to see if there was any plan for what they were. I assume it's just the West Coast version of Epcot. Well, I do as well. That was Same. exactly what I figured, but I wondered if they came up with something clever. Yeah. yeah. How about <laughs> West East? South, Torth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, yes, the South, and the community of tomorrow. <laughs> That's what Kanye and Kim should have named their kid. Oh, <laughs> Torth. <laughs> so because Eisner and Wells brought the parks back from a lull, they basically were sold on this idea of making a multi-day experience at Disneyland. And like I said, with Euro Disney opening in 92, was sure to be a hit. They were like, we're firing on all cylinders. Let's make this whole crazy plan and let's just do it right next to Disneyland. So they basically, the same land that Disneyland Resort currently fills was going to be the same in that it was basically, uh, what are these streets here? From basically, yeah, Walnut to Harbor and Catella to Ball. That's the land that this Westcott project was to fill and the land that they currently fill. There was essentially a huge Mickey and Friends structure. However, it was like uh, the whole addition of these new hotels they were going to build was basically on the north-south axis. And it's funny, there's all these like little lines in all of their plans drawn around what is now Paradise Pier Hotel. Because it was some hotel that was there before Mm -hmm. that I guess they just did not include in this project. So there's always like this little like... A little cutout. Yeah, a little cutout of where Paradise Pier is. This is what they were going to do to the Disneyland land. If you think about where the bus depot is now on the east side of the park, Mm -hmm. there was going to be a 5,000 seat amphitheater called the Disneyland Bowl. That was essentially going to be what the Universal Amphitheater was to Universal. Mm -hmm. They were going to do that there, right off of Harbor. (laughs) And then there was going to be four new hotels, including a new Disneyland hotel. But updating and renovating old Disneyland hotel, there was then going to be the Disneyland Resort Hotel. Okay. Which was going to be a slightly better version of... Uh, it, they had mentioned it was going to be like a mid-level. What do they call the mid, um, moderate. moderate? Moderate. And then the Deluxe Resort was going to be the Magic Kingdom Hotel, which was going to be north. If you think about where the Lilo parking is now, I guess it would be... Eh, well... I don't know where the Lilo parking is. Oh, uh, just outside of Rainforest Cafe. Got it. But actually even a little more north. So basically there was a downtown Disney district, but it was all on the other side of Disneyland Drive. The new Disneyland Hotel Resort Hotel was to be on the east side of Disneyland Drive and would provide views into Disneyland Park and Westcott Center. Mm. And the Esplanade was called Disneyland Center. (laughs) Like it was this whole thing. And it had this beautiful fountain that shot up and everything and trees everywhere. There's all these great tree work that they did. Well, they always have to have trees because the thing gets more beautiful every year. The, t- the trees keep growing and all that. Oh, sure. <laughs> Obviously, it took a huge influence. So the Westcott Center Park took a huge influence from Epcot. And they were going to have the seven wonders of Epcot, which included three pavilions at the front, which were sort of the future world area, mm-hmm. and then four world showcase pavilions that were, they were the corners of the world. So it was Africa, Asia, Americas and europe okay and so that was the pretty much 
continents, kind of. Correct. Yeah. More continental than, and that that was the Seven Wonders of Ep- of Westcott. So, boy, this sounds a lot better than California Adventure. Okay. <laughs> well, again, this project was going to cost three point one billion dollars, and California Adventure ended up costing six hundred million. I think Still, when it opened, that shows. <laughs> And it did, yeah. (laughs) So it was really cool. Some future world stuff would come over. Living with the land would be in the Earth land area. A unique version of Journey into the Imagination would be there. Horizons would have been there. And then there was going to be a Circle Vision movie. And then the main thing, which is, I hope they build it one day somewhere, Space Station Earth. Mm -hmm. So, Robert, you know how tall Spaceship Earth is. I'm not sure if I do, actually. Really? 180 feet? That's it. Yeah. Space Station Earth was going to be 300 feet. <laughs> I'm not too sure, guys, but I don't know. It's going to be 180 feet, give or take. <laughs> dare you. Are we talking from the top of one of the geodesic parts? Or like... Uh, <laughs> So 300 what? 300 feet was going to be Space Station Earth. Boy, you know, so obviously they would have had blinking lights on top. Can you imagine how that would minimize the Matterhorn? 300 feet. Oh, my God. How tall is the Matterhorn? 147 feet. Oh, wow. That's ridiculous. It'd be twice the size of the Matterhorn. Yeah. Oh, no, that's too much. So the city of Anaheim did not like that. But then what's funny is they said it's going to ruin our skyline, yet here we are with Guardians of the Galaxy right off the freeway. (laughs) And I'm like, that's what people are okay with seeing? Yeah. Well, that building... I don't call think it, that I call it the a... former Tower of Terror building. Um, yeah, that is the tallest building in Anaheim, but it's uh, it's not viewable everywhere in Anaheim. Like oh, that sure. would be probably with blinking lights all over it. So the, what it was was essentially a golden sphere, then surrounded by its own like structure, so you could see the golden spheres through this glass structure. It was ah, oh, it sounds hot. Yeah, <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> really hot. So, the, because the city of Anaheim complained about the designs, because they 100% launched this campaign that this was happening, obviously there was a lot of pushback. And one of the things was they ended up redesigning, pulling Space Station Earth out as the centerpiece, and then there was this huge spire in the back of the tall. park. Like, it could just be a no, little bit No, it has to be bigger shorter. and better. Well, the idea was that it was a bigger, better, updated version of Spaceship Earth. Yeah. Well, I got to say, even something as big as Spaceship Earth, 180 feet, seems like it would be too big for something in di- that... I mean, if you look at it, 300 feet tall. But can you imagine where Carthay Circle is if Spaceship Earth was there? Wouldn't that look weird, <laughs> having a giant structure like that? I really need to know what we've seen in real life that is 300 feet tall. Well, you used to say if you laid... <laughs> the Tower of Terror down inside Dodger Stadium, it would yeah. barely get to first base or something? No. Uh, it would, or it would, it would just go like base. a little bit past second base. Right, yeah. So, already, I know how tall Tower of Terror is. I know how tall the Matterhorn is. There's probably some buildings. How tall in is? Oh, Expedition Everest. How tall is that? That's 199 feet. Oh. So this is just still that. too big. Yeah. I mean, okay. it's, it's 100 feet taller than anything that's at Disney World. How tall is... We were having this conversation about Cinderella's castle, right? That's 189 feet. And that is taller than the Matterhorn. Yes. Wait, from... Disney World. From the base? I would assume so, yeah. That's just too Yeah, I mean, the tallest thing at Disney World is Expedition Everest, which is 199.5 feet. Sorry, this is where I'm going to be hung up, and I'm like, this is just too damn big. Um. (laughs) Well, imagine Everest with... The castle on top of it and Pirates of the Caribbean on top of that. (laughs) (laughs) Pirates. Well, because the castle's like, what, 79 feet and then you need another 30 feet. That's about pirates, I guess, right? (laughs) 
Disney. Mouse. So Space Station Earth <laughs> was an Omni Mover attraction, and it was going to be in the Venture Port section of the park. And the Venture Port was basically what do they call this? The hub of Future World, isn't it called something? Um, so yeah, there was Asia, Africa, Europe, America's like Epcot, but more hands-on and region-based. And these made up the Seven Wonders of Westcott. Comparable to the Seven Wonders of the World. <laughs> you know who the Eighth Wonder of the World is? That's King Kong. Oh. There was a really <laughs> cool rumored roller coaster in the Asia-Tokyo area that was going to be called Ride the Dragon, which would look like one of the parade dragons because mm-hmm. it, it's an Asia land. But then I think a lot of the architecture was going to be inspired by Tokyo in terms of city-wise. But it was going to be like Pan-Asian. It was going to be Indian-inspired. Like, it sort of made me think of, like, maybe the stuff that they did with Expedition Everest would have been mixed in with, like, all this other stuff. But it sounded really cool. There were a couple ideas for the America section. One of the ideas came with, essentially, the Disneyland Resort version of the American Adventure, which obviously would have been cool the america section would look like america before urbanization and i was like well is it just like a bunch of fields i know that doesn't sound fun (laughs) yeah who wants to look at a desert um but there was going to be a mexican area a canadian area and then the american adventure type attraction europe would essentially from what i could tell was going to be like a uk pavilion like at epcot it would just be over here probably be a rose and crown and all of that and then there was going to be this great collie river rapids attraction Hmm. in the africa section which essentially became grizzly river run at california adventure obviously i was very excited to hear that there would be three parking structures with this project (laughs) (laughs) they seem to have this idea for a long time because part of the reason this project was announced yet never came to fruition was that there was a measure that had been voted on by the residents of orange county that they would widen and do a lot of infrastructure updates to the five freeway there one of which included an hov ramp into the disneyland area Mm -hmm. and disneyland had to pull the trigger and say are you expanding are you going to do this do you need this thing because it was going to cost money and they needed to say yes so in the earliest concepts the disneyland exit was there going into a parking structure just like mickey and friends is now however instead of if you think of mickey and friends before pixar pals mickey and friends the way it's sort of oriented east to west this was oriented north to south so it was much further back set and disneyland drive basically came up and dead-ended into the magic kingdom resort hotel which would have been i guess like i said the lilo parking area before really it's probably more like galaxy's edge to the first half of Mickey and Friends would have been where the Magic Kingdom Resort would have sat. Because in a lot of the renderings I saw, Disneyland Drive did not go all the way through to Ball like it does now, where it kind of squirrely goes up around that bridge. And these parking structures, they needed to look back at these plans. Every level was going to have a people walking, moving sidewalk Mm. that took you to a people mover. Mm. And each side of the Esplanade had a people mover stop because across the way were going to be two other parking structures that also had moving walkways to the people mover that took you in. And there was a monorail that went around the entire resort, through every hotel, and around Space Station Earth. It sounded so awesome (laughs) sounded costly (laughs) there's even a great rendering of a monorail going over harbor so it was basically going to double the length of the monorail which would have just been so exciting then there was the future expansion area always planned which was basically toy story parking area Mm -hmm. what it is now so they already had that area so they revealed the westcott idea on may 8th 1991 and 
what's weird is so with the port disney idea their idea was phase one would be done in the year 2000 phase two would be done in 2010 what phase two included i'm not sure okay but they were saying that the westcott idea was expected to bring 25 million guests by 1998 so if they announced it in 91, they must have hoped to break ground pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I do know that... Uh, let me read some of my facts in chronological order here. So, Euro Disney Open was not very popular. Disney's America was hoarding a lot of monetary resources from other projects. Mm. Um, What's Disney's America? So Disney's America was another rabbit hole I started to go down. But they were going to build a park in Virginia, just outside the nation's capital... And organize a bus line that you could ride into the Capitol while you're visiting the Disney's America Park. I didn't try to go into too many details. Maybe we'll cover Disney's America yeah. on another episode. Yeah. But So, uh, <laughs> uh, along with the Westcott idea, with all of the things that Disney was going to do in terms of the two other parking structures across Harbor, it was going to cost Anaheim alone, separate of what Disney was doing, in order for Anaheim to house this, was going to be $800 million for the city of Anaheim. So, from when they announced in, what was it, May of 91, by December of 91, they were already cutting back. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I feel like this is a theme, though. Definitely. Yeah. It definitely seems yeah. like we might hear this issue come up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yes, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, because, yes, lots of these things don't happen because of cost, budget reasons. Mm-hmm. But it's funny when something actually does get put together that is elaborate. Like the fact that they made pirates or made the Indiana Jones right at all mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. such levels. Mm-hmm. That's true. By 93, the project was already a year behind and the lead Imagineer stepped down. So I'm assuming that if 93, they were a year behind, mm-hmm. which is only a year after they announced the project, they must have thought they were going to break ground really quickly. Yeah. So in 1994, they went from adding 5,000 rooms to the resort across their four hotels to just adding 1,800 rooms. And then by January of 95, the project was abandoned. So it took, you know, three and three quarter years to basically fizzle out and die, which was really unfortunate because this really seemed awesome. Mm -hmm. So that's the Westcott idea. Past that to where we get to obviously what became California Adventure, Eisner really, really, really wanted a second gate. Once the project died, he held a symposium with 30 head Imagineers and was like, let's all talk about ideas. Let's figure out what it is. And somebody spoke up and was like, well, where do people go after they leave the Disneyland Resort? And that was, they were like, they go to all these other places in California. And Michael Eisner would not give that, like he (laughs) hooked on that so hard and was like, that's it. That's the answer. And there was no telling him that that wasn't the answer. So by the time they roughed out the estimates of what an attraction based on California was basically, let's build these great things from California right here in the park. They were like, oh, yeah, that only costs 600 million. So he was like, let's do it. So they started building it in 1998, opened in February 2001. And the best part of it probably came was a Grand California Hotel. (laughs) Introducing Disney's California Adventure. A whole new theme park filled with the fun and adventures of California. Let's go see them. I don't think the idea of California Adventure is a bad idea, as Mm. long as they don't cheap out on it. Like when they did the 2012 2.0 version of California Adventure, it was great. Sure. As long as things keep in that California theming and everything is sort of, you know, makes sense, Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. I very distinctly remember when they maybe not when they announced i didn't have my finger on the pulse at that point but when i heard that california adventure was opening and i said what is that 
Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's a theme park all about California. I said, in California? I said, why don't we no. have a Florida adventure and they have a <laughs> California adventure? I mean, yes, I thought that but too. What Everyone you thinks put that. In it? Like, oh, I don't there's know. nothing. Like, you alligators. Put a bunch of alligators. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crocodiles. Space. Alligators. I mean, basically, I think maybe calling it California yes. Adventure is the bad idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But just visiting, like, you know, old Hollywood or a California uh, mine town, they could have mm-hmm. put in there. Yeah, I think that maybe it was the name that yeah. really. Well, still kind of puts it because it really doesn't make sense. Yeah. But now it, it really doesn't it make really, sense yeah. when. Yeah, I think it was just the naming because there were some good attractions in there. It really kind of sucked that they, again, a lot of budget budgetary stuff got in the way of some of the attractions being mm-hmm. really. I mean, there was a amazing. man-made lake at <laughs> at Westcott Center. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that California adventure too. I guess. But... <laughs> Home of the world of color. So yeah, not six years after California Adventure opened, Bob Iger put one point six billion into fixing quote-unquote the park and then yes in 2012 they reopened with the new buena vista street and other updates yep and i don't remember the imagineers maybe you do one was like oh i think having a california park is a great idea and another imagineer said i liked it better when it was a parking lot (laughs) (laughs) that does sound familiar (laughs) here was one of the great attractions they were going to have at westcott center they were going to have the longest disney park ride in history You know how the Disneyland Railroad makes a full circle around Disneyland? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This was going to be, which I guess could technically be considered, this is why this was considered the longest ride. This was going to be a nine-stop cruise that, between stops, was going to have animatronics of, like, Leonardo da Vinci painting the Mona Lisa, or, you know, all these great animatronics on the cruise to different pavilions in the park. Like, the Disneyland Railroad takes you all through like different areas of the wilderness and dinosaurs and uh-huh. Grand Canyon. This was going to have animatronics and cool, like, ah, it just sounded so neat. Yeah, yeah. that would have been great. I have something very similar. Um, I really wish uh, Westcott came to be. It sounds like it would have been incredible. Yeah, it would have been really yeah. just a feat. Just adding all of those hotels and all of that like insane transportation mm-hmm. just would have really made well, it feel like its own little city. Monorail would have been a real viable and it made me think how much larger are the monorail tracks in florida than here are they much larger or wider i was thinking that too because Um, like if the monorails are wider the monorails themselves yes i'm not sure about the tracks though i just wondered like could they run a disney world monorail on our tracks like or would they have to completely rebuild the tracks if one day they wanted to make our monorail viable it would definitely need to be more roomy like yeah, the yeah. Walt Disney yeah. World ones. I feel like they would have to rebuild it. I mean, especially when it gets into areas like going through the Grand Californian. I think that's pretty tight, isn't it? <laughs> it's really t- <laughs> it just the first time it's <laughs> <laughs> or just gets stuck and it's like <laughs> <laughs> Bob Kerr gets out. <laughs> Someone bring Bob Kerr out of retirement. <laughs> I warn them. I warn them. Not my problem. Well, that's great. Should we go to another place? Let us. Go ahead, Anthea. Where Um, where are we going? Ah, Beastly Kingdom. The Beastly Kingdom? The Beastly Kingdom. It was supposed to be an opening day land Mm. in Animal Kingdom. So Animal Kingdom, the general idea, I'm going to say, of Animal Kingdom is that it celebrates existing animals, extinct animals, and animals that never existed. 
was under its original umbrella mm. of what it's supposed Fictional to have. Fictional animals. So yeah, mythical beasts. Much like the attractions in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a land that was included in the marketing for the original Oops. Uh, stuff for this. So like if you ever look at any cups for McDonald's or whatever, it's still on there. I think some of the commercials that ran had a, a dragon in it. And uh, mm. they definitely talked about seeing these mythical beasts. And it was also in the opening day speech by Michael Eisner. Welcome to the kingdom of animals, real, ancient, and imagined. A kingdom ruled by lions, dinosaurs, and dragons. So, Beastly Kingdom (laughs) was a land that was supposed to occupy where Camp Mini Mickey was, where now Pandora exists. And this land would have been separated into good and evil or dark creatures. So, on one side, you would have had the Kingdom of Light, which had two attractions and would have been the more lighthearted, fantastical creatures. And on the other side, you would have had a medieval dark area that would have had their e-ticket attraction. So in the Kingdom of Light, there was supposed to be Fantasia Gardens, which would have been a boat ride through the uh, Dance of the Hours sequence from Fantasia. So it would have been a lot of dancing animals and that sort of paid homage to. From what I can tell, this is very much just ended up in Shanghai essentially because oh. don't they have like a little yeah, that, Fantasia that seems like it the other thing would have been the quest of the unicorn which was a hedge maze that you'd walk through <sighs> that would have all these different mythical creatures and you'd walk through it and collect I believe it was like clues and you would actually possibly get something tangible hmm. to unlock the gateway to the unicorn and there would have been this unicorn animatronic oh, okay this is a horse with like a thing they just yeah they like walk around <laughs> So it looks like the only thing that is officially called Fantasia Gardens is a miniature golf course at Walt Disney World. <laughs> really? <laughs> All right. Well, that's still pretty great. So the hedge maze, when did Animal Kingdom open? Animal Kingdom opened in 1998, I believe. Oh, okay. And There's so this, a hedge maze in... They in, took that idea oh, okay. and used it for Alice's hedge in Paris. maze. I see. That's um, And they it would have been pretty much the same mm-hmm. um, thing, but with... So the Alice features. hedge maze opened after... 98. I have Not no idea when it opened, okay. but I guess they're sister attractions. I, I love guess. hedge mazes, so. I do too. <laughs> the other side would have been medieval themed, and there would have been a dilapidated, burned out castle that you would have seen like in the distance. And you would also walk like a maze type of thing, like through a forest to get to this. And it was supposed to be an inverted roller coaster. So, you know, they hang down and Mm. they look like little bats and you sit in these and it would take you through this castle. And the big show stopping scene was going to be this giant fire breathing animatronic dragon. But it was supposed to be this amazing e-ticket ride. And so, yeah. Does this disappoint you, David? Medieval (laughs) suits of armor around? Oh, yeah. I'm not a fan of that, but this (laughs) sounds awesome. (laughs) So... When the park was being built, they realized that this was going to cost a whole lot of money. And they had also planned out other parts of the entire park. And Dinoland USA was one of those things that they figured out that they could tie into Dinosaur, which was coming out um, very soonly. And so they had to pick if they were going to put the money into this movie that was coming out and promoting that or if they were going to build this entire land. And since this was supposed to get more money you know, they have a movie and everything, they chose to put more of those resources into Dinoland. 
And you know how Michael Eisner loves synergy. He he does. Splash Mountain, for instance, with the movie Splash. (laughs) Yep. I love that Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah animatronic. It's my favorite part. So they ended up allocating the funds to that. We've got a few more mouths to feed at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Dinosaur. Ride it. A lot of what Beastly Kingdom was supposed to be ended up getting cut. When the park opened, they had a ride that only lasted about a year, less than two, called Discovery River Boats. And it was an opening day boat that would take you around the park. And you can still see the river. I mean, it's a huge river that runs through the park. And it's, it would... It's where like River of Light plays on, right? Yeah, I think that plays on part of it. So it would go through the park and it would show you the different areas of the park that you could visit. There was an area that was by where Camp Minnie Mickey existed and you would come across this like a rock formation of a dragon and it would have like water coming out that still is actually on the all of these things are still there in some weird way but yeah so that was there and then past that there were these caves and the caves would make like growling noises and fire would shoot out of them because it was um, letting you know that there was a dragon in there. So it was that, and then you'd go past that a little bit, and then finally there was the statue of a unicorn. So it had these mythical creatures that were supposed to be in the land right behind it. Before it opened to the public, they, so the where the dragon was breathing its fire, originally there were like these suits of armor that were kind of displayed, I'm gonna say a la dead body. <laughs> There was one that was like, like kind of like on this um, spike, which I don't know how a dragon would do that, but that's fine. Um, and then there were these ones that were just kind of strewn all about. And people were complaining about it, saying that it was just too gruesome. So they removed all of those things. But it's on some videos um, from cast previews. And the unicorn was in the distance. And it was supposed to have like a light effect on it that mimicked movement. And then the smoke was supposed to go over it. But the smoke was either too little and the effect was lost or there was too much smoke and you couldn't see anything. Mm. So that also got removed before opening day. That beautiful statue was eventually purchased at auction and now John has... Stamos has <laughs> no, maybe. I doubt it, though, because now it has an Instagram aco- account oh. called... Oh. Um, Beastly the Unicorn, um, and we are now friends on Instagram, and they dress this thing up, and it's just in their front lawn, and it has so much love and care, and I love it so much. Oh my gosh, that's great. Is it still in Florida, or where where is Beastly the Unicorn? I I should message them and ask them. If they're in LA, we're taking a road trip. (laughs) I am a unicorn. I lived at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Now I live at Macbeth Manor on a little hill in a beautiful garden with pretty flowers at my hooves. That's like my favorite. I mean, you could look up Macbeth Manor. Mm. I guess that might be their last name. I don't know. I would guess so. That's cool. But yeah, it just lives. We live in the Lininger Seabrooks Manor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Oh, yeah. Also, the dragon in this attraction would have been thirty feet tall. (gasps) Ten of them would have stacked up to be as high as Space Station Earth. (laughs) Or just one of them would have been one Pirates of the Caribbean. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so then also on this ride, the ride was supposed to talk about a lot more mythical creatures and originally was supposed to have an animatronic dragon in it. And instead of having this animatronic dragon, they took the money for that, which was considerably less, and made this really impressive iguanodon for 
dinosaur. So it was that that, mm. that character. He's standing in the water and he kind of rises up and like acknowledges the boat and stuff like that. Another thing was that a kraken was supposed to attack all the boats. Mm-hmm. The technology that they had for this was only put onto one boat from what everyone can tell. And then that quickly was never was never actually put into use. This ride was so boring that it tested so poorly that's oh. why it ended up getting mm. how dare people be bored it's a it boat ride really it's cool. very dry because there wasn't much it wasn't like jungle cruise no. where there's jokes and stuff so what you take a little ride look animal at the kingdom what did it teach you <laughs> i mean what an adventure what an adventure <laughs> so there's also multiple delays with this land they wanted to have it be built by the 10th anniversary eventually they said there was gonna be part of phase two for the you know expansion for this so camp mini mickey was super temporary it had two shows um a pocahontas and a festival of the lion king which reused floats from the lion king um Mm. parade here out here in california but eventually this all became pandora is what they ended up doing with it i will say that all of this information i got from yesterworld and exhibition theme park which are two really great resources as well as some wikipedia stuff this was my main takeaway which was from Expedition Theme Park. Well, not main takeaway, but what pretty much killed off this entire project was there were so many delays on it that a lot of the Imagineers that had worked on all of the concept for Beastly Kingdom were laid off or fired, whatever. They were picked up by Universal Studios. Universal Studios opened up Islands of Adventure. Get ready for the next generation of theme park. Coming in 1999, Universal Studios Islands of Adventure. Mm. And Islands of Adventure had the Lost Continent Land. And in that, they put... It's still there. Yeah. But some of these attractions are not there anymore. They had a dueling dragon roller coaster, which was an inverted roller coaster. The queue took you through a burnt out castle. Mm. They have another ride that centers around a unicorn. And Mm. um, a lot of ideas from Beastly Kingdom were put at Universal. So now it wouldn't seem like an original idea. All of that Mm -hmm. stuff is just gone. So they completely scrapped Beastly Kingdom. So there are remnants, though, of Beastly Kingdom that are around the park. One of the first ones that you'll encounter is just on the signage in general. The logo has different animals walking across and there's a big old dragon in it. When you go up to the entrance of the park, there are three ticket booths, each one symbolizing animals that are extinct, animals that exist, and animals that never were. So one of them has a dragon head on it. And then um, each one of the sides, the upper walls of these booths have like carvings in them and all the animals are intertwined with each other. And there is like a unicorn. There's a bunch of other mythical beasts on there. The same logo design is on a lot of benches as well as some lamps. And then there's still that stuff that's on the riverbank. So you can still see, you'll see the area where the, the unicorn could be found. You can see the dragon head that had water coming out of it. Mm. And then you can kind of still see the caves that should shoot out flames. But a lot of, like, it's just been left alone. So nature's really kind of taken over. Kind of like the mine train through nature's wonderland at Disneyland. Yeah. So, yeah, Yeah. I guess like that, that sort of like river that runs through Harambe when you cross yep. over that bridge that yep. was part of that attraction yeah, yeah. huh huh yep. where, yeah where we saw a real alligator we did see a real oh alligator <laughs> going through 
But yeah, I mean, that's a really small, like, condensed version of, or, you know, information regarding Beastly Kingdom that just seemed like it was supposed to be very immersive. I think at one point should have included, like, a little area with um, the Loch Ness Monster would have been acknowledged in there as well. It just seems beautiful. Like, there was going to be a rainbow, a whole, like, walkway into it and whatnot. That sounds really great. It was really pretty. Like, the concept art for it, like, the they just have, like, this giant map basically of it Mm. looks really amazing and there's a lot of concept art for two of the three attractions you don't really see much for fantasia gardens but quest of the unicorn you'll see the end with the unicorn as well as a lot of the artist renderings of the different beasts that you would meet along the way and uh, for dragon tower you you can find a lot of artwork for that as well but yeah those are i don't know I'm real kind of bummed that that didn't happen. (laughs) But, um, oh yeah, what I was trying to say was um, with Islands of Adventure taking that that stuff shortly after you know 9-11 happened and, and the theme park industry was really hit hard by that so at the time jk rowling was disney was trying to get her to let them use harry potter her main stipulation was i own these the rights to these characters anything you want to do to them with them has to go through me she also had a few other things i can't remember right off the top of my head but Disney, that did not meet any of their demands. And they said, no, thank you. Thinking that she would try to shop it to other parks and would eventually come back to Disney. Universal said, sure. Whatever you want. <laughs> and they took all of that. And that brought the Wizarding World of Harry Potter to the United States. And that kind of started what is happening now with these lands that are built solely on one IP and it's really kind of pushed us forward. So while I'm kind of bummed out that Beastly Kingdom didn't happen because it seemed amazing, there's also what we're experiencing now, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. I think without it, you could say to some extent, we wouldn't have, we definitely wouldn't have Wizard World of Harry Potter. Star Wars Land wouldn't be open and maybe Cars Land. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah. That's terrific. I always feel sad thinking about missing out um, a giant dragon animatronic because I love dragon animatronics like yeah. Murph. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I want to see that one in Paris. That one's yeah. great. Well, shall we move on to the next? Go ahead, Susie. What, where are we going on your end? We are going to Disneyland. I am going to talk about the Enchanted Snow Palace, which was an attraction that was intended for Disneyland, but probably would have found its way at Walt Disney World at some point. But it would have been in Fantasyland at Disneyland. It was in the late 70s that Mark Davis had thought about putting this attraction in Fantasyland at Disneyland. And it was basically um, based off of uh, or inspired by Hans Christian Andersen's The Snow Queen. (laughs) It was conceptualized. There's a lot of artwork. It was mapped out. And it pretty much seemed like something that was going to happen. And basically, the idea was that he would be providing relief from the heat and transport guests into an icy world of the Snow Queen. Now, this is the big selling point for me. Just (laughs) a great long attraction filled with really, really cold air conditioning. Can you imagine? Yes, I can. I dream of it, actually, regularly. It's not the animatronics. <laughs> right. It's not the ride system. Well, all, no. that, all that's great, no too. No story. But the Just... fact that it's also going to be like 50 degrees in there. Yes, that would have been part of it. You're right. It was very much meant to be a nice world, or it would have been a nice world. I read conflicting things in the sense of what the kind of soundtrack or the the music would be i would use three sources basically two of them said it would have been set to the nutcracker suite 
And then the other one, which was actually from D23's site, um, said that Buddy Baker would have composed a score for it. Buddy Baker. So I don't know, you know, if it would have Buddy Baker just... did the music for uh, The Haunted Mansion. Yeah, so I don't know if it would... I, I mean, it sort of sounded like an original, um, not him just mm-hmm. conducting or, you know, making Like some, his arrangement of the... Yeah, of Tchaikovsky's um, Nutcracker Suite. But that was the idea. That was the... At least the sound inspiration, I guess. So again, there's a lot of concept art. Um, it's really, really great. They had a lot of like unique characters, penguins, dancing penguins. Where in Fantasyland were they? It doesn't to put this. I it see. doesn't specify, or at least I wasn't able yeah. to find anything I that was specific. Ima- I always imagined. I don't know if this is fact or my imagination, but that it would go, you know, next to Small World, where Mickey's oh the theater map is. is. I see. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that would have been cool to have an attraction way up there. I will say that while they in all the research like there's a lot of concept art and again they seem to have everything sort of mapped out and i mean it is fantasy land there is a story being told but it didn't seem very like super story driven and i mean i guess if you think about that all the fantasy lands are sort of like broken in that sense like you're like oh how did i end up in hell vignettes yeah, yeah like it's <laughs> well it's like well that that's what they did back then with rides and i think that's the way to do rides i think you lose out when they try to put a whole story into a ride like sure. little mermaid like you don't it's not as good as the other dark rides you don't always need stories it's i think it's better to have experience like the imagination like, of it yeah and you can make your own story like pirates of the caribbean or haunted mansion there's no linear story for those but no yeah you're, i mean you guess you're right so yeah there was a lot of art Really fun stuff. Uh, Penguins playing. They were basically an orchestra being conducted by a seal. Really whimsical. I mean, these drawings are really fun to look at. Dancing polar bears. There's a scene that sort of looks almost like uh, it's out of Fantasia. And yeah, room by room, you're just meeting these characters, these unique characters that are enjoying this ice world. The thing that I was drawn to the most in some of these drawings were these snowball men. They basically look like walruses. They're so cute with their beards and their (laughs) like snow caps. That's what they look like. They They look like like Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Um, his uncle that sings Hambone. Oh, frog money Gordon, he didn't ride Crambo. I don't remember. About, he has the big old hat and the big old mustache. That sounds familiar. And he's all like, he's like pucking away, and at the end, he's all ham bone. Well, they also kind of they look like the walrus from um, Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> oh yeah, he, did, he does look like the walrus from Alice in Wonderland. I guess maybe. But it, I mean, yeah, he looked. They looked so familiar, but everything's very whimsical. And obviously, Mark Davis is known for bringing to life these characters that he. Oh, yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like they went to this well at all when they created the Frozen attraction, (laughs) which I feel like would have been, guys, the work is done. Well, anyway, okay, so those were my favorite, but it just all was very whimsical, very fun. It would have been a boat ride, and your last room, you're basically meeting the Snow Queen. She does, like, conjure up a snowstorm, and you do safely get out of it, but, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's what she likes to do right and she has to keep it going and all that so there is a a, a bit of i guess if you will i don't know if conflict is exactly Peril. yeah <laughs> is like the climax climax yeah oh, there you go and then you obviously arrive safely back so we watched this little frozen bonus it was content. called De- defrosted mm-hmm. um, but it's fun- nice because like alice davis talks about it with the 
directors of Frozen, but I felt like they really wanted to like. They wanted to like. They it's wanted like they, her to like them so bad. <laughs> it was oh. so strange. But they well, talked a lot about the similar, and there are similarities. They didn't draw inspiration. That's not what I got from it. They didn't draw inspiration from it. It just happened to align with this idea. Well, they were drawing inspiration for the movie Frozen from the drawings that Mark Davis did for this attraction. See, I didn't understand it that way. Well, for yeah, instance, he was. It, it, what's funny is that the director felt like he was looking at these drawings for the first time. It was like, wow, this yeah. looks really similar. Similar to what we did. I'm like, you didn't look at these? I don't don't know then. It was strange. (laughs) And that was the thing. I think it's a a bit, it's just a coincidence then that Mark Davis's Snow Queen has the long white braid and basically the same dress as Elsa. Oh my gosh, she has the same braid. And I was like, how did you look at these? (laughs) Well, probably the people that actually drew her. Oh yeah, I know. The actual artists, yeah. Um, And the Snow Queen is, she has very, you know, the outfit I guess she would have had on. And she has candles on her head or something. (laughs) No, she is. Yeah, she. Hold on. Are they icicles? Yes. It's. I mean, it's really. Hold on. That would make more sense. They look like candles to me. Yes, candles. No, they are not. Those are. Come on. Oh, you have the picture. (laughs) But they're going up. (laughs) Why would they be going down? Gravity. Even her shawl, like it's like a pashmina, but like icicles dripping from her arms. Yeah. It's really great. You know the good thing about this attraction not being built huh. is it would have been laid over with Frozen by That's now. True. Yeah, <laughs> very. They would have ruined it because it sounds great. I know. And Probably. then we would have had trolls instead of those great snowmen. Oh my gosh! But it given me a stomachache just like seeing Johnny Depp at Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh my God. Um, so basically, the project was shelved in '77 officially, and oh. it was the reason it was was because at the time he was working on this attraction, um, Space Mountain was debuting at Walt Disney World, and because it was so successful and everyone was all about kind of the thrill ride at that point, they basically just were like, "Okay, let's focus on those now. Like, let's oh, build more." It out. Um, so interestingly enough, when I like was reading it, I thought of you because I was like, see, look, even back then they were doing things like that because you do do, unfortunately, no, I know. I, sometimes what appeals to the masses. I mean, I, but if, if I, had, I don't know why you can't have balance. Like you can have both because you want both. That's true. I feel like if I went on Mind Train Through Nature's Wonderland and they closed it for Big Thunder, I'd be so pissed off. I would hate that. But I still like Big Thunder also, so right. I don't know. Anyway, that's why it never came to be. Because that would have probably been part of the 83 Fantasyland Possibly. redo. If he if he was doing it late 70s. Mm-hmm. And it was, yeah. I mean, <sighs> according to this, was officially shelved in 77. So cool. But even that, like, you know, maybe he maybe worked on it for a year or two. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. <sighs> But yeah, no, it looked really like it could have been really fun, um, like super side note, but I really like Tchaikovsky specifically, but it just would have been fun. It would have felt a lot like, I think, like that Fantasia feel, and it just seemed fun, whimsical. Yeah, I would have loved it. I mean, think about that in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have to yeah. lie on the brass railings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's terrific. Well, where are we going next? Robert? Next, we are going to Walt Disney World. For an attraction that never appeared. <laughs> so I am going to be talking about which is probably the most famous ride that ever existed, at least the most elaborate ride that got the furthest in production without being created. And that is the Western River Expedition. <laughs> 
So the Western River Expedition was also created by Mark Davis. He was the head designer and created a ton of concept art and all that. So there's tons of art, tons of models, and it was going to be a boat ride about cowboys and Indians that would go through a frontier land type setting. He loves his boats, man. Yeah. Uh, basically, this would be really a cowboy version of Pirates of the Caribbean. So Disney World opened in 1971 without a Pirates of the Caribbean. And there was some land that was at the end of Adventureland, west of Frontierland, that was saved for this new attraction that would be Western River Expedition. But people kept calling up and complaining, saying, you opened a Magic Kingdom, you opened a Disneyland here in Florida, where's Pirates? Everyone wanted Pirates. They didn't put Pirates of the Caribbean in because they figured people in Florida were so close to the Caribbean anyway, and pirate lore was part of their culture that they wouldn't be interested in that. And it would be a lot more exciting for them if they brought the West to the East. So that was the idea of why they were doing that. Mark Davis and other Imagineers worked on it for over five years. It would have been set around the town of Thunder Mesa Mountain, and it would have been a big mountain like Big Thunder, but bigger. What year was this? So this was early 70s, early mid 70s? Well, they started, I think he was the doing a lot then. The yeah, I, man. Yeah, the idea for it came around 68, I believe, but he was working on it all for through the 70s. Years, he said, wow. ish. Yeah. Most of the stuff that I saw said it would be a boat ride like Pirates of the Caribbean, but I did see that there was some sort of map or something that they were doing really early on that said it would have been a log flume ride. Mm. But I think it, it looked like it was going to be more a boat ride. Yeah. It would have had two show buildings, the main show building, and then two separate show buildings, where Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland has one show building and the actual building in New Orleans Square. When you say that, does that mean like the boat would go out on a stream in between them? Yeah. Well, basically like how... In, at Disneyland, it goes through the caves, which is leaving the park. And then once you enter the Cannonball Scene, you're in the new building. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell when you're on the ride because it doesn't appear as a building. Right. But uh, So there would be two show buildings that would have been bigger than Pirates of the Caribbean. So you would enter the attraction through an old mining shaft. And then you would board your boat around twilight time. And there was a narrator for the ride named Hoot Gibson. <laughs> and Hoot Gibson was an animatronic owl. Oh. So he would be sort of a narrator. I don't know if he would have been throughout the entire attraction, but at least he would have been at the beginning and he would sort of give you the safety spiel. That's awesome. So you would get your safety guidelines from this Hoot Gibson and you would enter a cave and all around you, you would see stalagmites and stalactites. And before your very eyes, they would start to transform and they'd turn into cowboy figures of the West and other types of animals that would live out on the plains. (laughs) You're so proud of yourself. And then after you would leave the cave, you would go through peaceful scenes of the wilderness where you would see buffalo and prairie dogs. And then there's even some concept art that Mark Davis drew of a cowboy serenading a group of bulls and cows. And it looked so brilliant. And then you would go by another group of cowboys that are just sort of relaxing, singing, and behind them is a group of cacti. And the cacti is singing along with them. (laughs) They have mouths and eyes. Oh, my. (laughs) Then things would go a little... uh, Squirrely. (laughs) Yeah, a little squirrely. (laughs) You would come up to some banditos robbing a stagecoach. 
So you would see these bad guys with bandanas covering their faces, you know, dressed in all black, and they have their guns drawn, robbing them, and then they would address you, the rider, and say, Watch where you're going. We'll meet up with you again down river. You know, like they're gonna gonna rob them later, you know. (laughs) So the scene continues and the boat journeys to a fictional town called Dry Gulch. And in here, this is a very whimsical town, reminiscent of what the Burning City scene would have been in Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, there would have been music that probably, I would guess there would have been a song that would go throughout. This is where it would be mostly. But here you would see a bank robbery. You would see prisoners escaping the cells using an underground tunnel. There would be a saloon with a cowboy on horseback on top of the roof and the bartenders down there shooting at him, trying to get him to come down. Amazing. <laughs> and then you would see saloon girls and other cowboys hooting and hollering at them. <laughs> they would have taken the saloon girls out. Uh, they would have been robbing. And then eventually there's a big shootout and there's there's a couple of cowboys that uh, I assume it's the ones that were robbing the bank. Uh, cause there's some concept art behind uh, a big safe. There's a big shootout. There's a female cowboy shooting at them. There's a guy that was getting a shave and a haircut and he still has shaving cream on his face and the towel around his neck. And he has his gun out and he's shooting at them. And then hiding around the corner is the mortician watching everything going on with a tape measure. <laughs> just, waiting for some, just waiting for someone to kick the can. Isn't there a model of this? Yeah. Well, there was a huge model. It co- I, I forgot how much they said it cost, but it was like a million dollars to make this model because they did everything. The whole ride in model form. Oh and gosh. a big chunk of it, this scene in particular... Uh, was at D23 one year that we saw it. Uh, we saw the cowboy on the roof and the shootout. So after the big shootout, you would go a little further into the wilderness, and here you would come to Indian territory, and you would see adobe houses. And at the top of uh, one of the mountains or something, uh, there would be a group of Native Americans that are doing a rain dance. And all of a sudden, there would be a big storm, and it would start to rain all around you. And then the finale would take you up a waterfall. Have you ever been up a waterfall? <laughs> oh, sure. That's quite the experience. Uh, the finale would take you up the waterfall through the forest, and there'd be thunder and lightning all around you. And then the banditos that saw you earlier. <laughs> what? <laughs> the bad guys that saw you earlier, uh, they're up there. They're on either side of your boat, and they say, all right, this is it. Give me your belongings. They're about to rob you. And then in the nick of time, you go down a huge waterfall and escape from them. Wow. And you survive. <laughs> so that's the ride. It sounds incredible. It's pirates, but Western. Wasn't the forest supposed to be on fire because like lightning strikes the trees or something? Possibly. That sounds about oh right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So ultimately was not built because the biggest reason is people demanded Pirates of the Caribbean Wrong. at Disney World. And what they got instead was a... Diet Pirates. Yeah, Diet Pirates. There was A, a slimmed down version of Pirates. There's a two-year turnaround, wasn't there? Like Less than that, yeah. I would imagine, because yeah. Disney World opened in October of 1971, and people complained, and Pirates opened in December 1973. Wow. Yeah. So Western River ex- Expedition was to be where Pirates is now? It would have been where Pirates is uh, Big Thunder and Splash oh, Mountain. Wow. Now... It also was going to be more than just the Western River Expedition. Uh, it would have been a whole Thunder Mesa land, which is kind of like, you know how it's Caribbean Plaza in Adventureland? Mm-hmm. It would kind of be a subland within a land. Mm-hmm. So besides 
this great ride, there would have been a runaway mine ride roller coaster like Big Thunder, hiking trails on top of the Mesa, an Indian village, and a pack mule attraction. And I also saw mentioned somewhere of a canoe rapids ride. Lots of the as stuff. As long as you don't have to canoe yourself. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> I just got what you were doing. I thought you were. <laughs> So it sounds like it would have been a lot of the stuff that would have been at Frontierland at Disneyland at the time. Besides it not happening because of Pirates of the Caribbean becoming too popular and people demanding it, it was also very pricey to build, would have been very expensive. And also in the 70s, the company was changing and Western films were becoming not as popular anymore. So Cowboys weren't the in thing and also people were coming more aware and sensitive to native americans so you know lots of this was comical the um, depiction of native americans yeah mm. so that probably wouldn't have sat right with a lot of people so it was put on hold when pirates was built instead but there was always hope that it would someday come to the magic kingdom but then in 1979, they started to build Big Thunder Mountain, and that sort of took the place of where the main attraction would be. And Mark Davis, who created this would-be attraction, was very upset by that. But he said, okay, so if you're building Big Thunder, that's kind of my runaway minecar concept. You could do that, and we could just add the boat ride uh, next to it. But they didn't allow him to do that, and he was upset. He, he, he wanted that to happen. Because twice in one episode, Mark Davis got the shaft. (laughs) Instead, they brought back something he's already done, which is Pirates of the Caribbean. He did add the new ending to Pirates of the Caribbean at Disney World, which was nice. But, you know, he wanted something new and elaborate. Um, Now, the ride never came out in its complete form, but other rides and attractions and places have references to this ride because all the Imagineers wanted to do this. So the biggest one is probably in Disneyland Paris, the whole fictional town is called Thunder Mesa. And Phantom Manor itself at Disneyland Paris has many tributes, uh, mostly in the graveyard scene. It's all Western themed with a saloon and kind of the same sort of dark ride cowboy shootout they would have had. They also have references to the ride in Splash Mountain, mostly just the way Splash Mountain works, I'd say, a water ride with this sort of world around it. World of Motion had the bank robbery of the stagecoach, which probably would have looked very similar. And Living with the Land even has some inspiration from it, which is the prairie scene. With oh, the, yeah, uh, I was going to say the, the storm sounded very the land. Yeah, and the buffalo all around. So even though the ride never came to be, you could find pieces of it all throughout the Disney company. The other interesting thing that I found was when Disney World first opened, they actually had an attraction that would show that it was coming soon. Now, the attraction was on Main Street, and it was called the Walt Disney Story. At Disneyland, uh, they put in the Walt Disney Story instead of Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln for a while. So... At the Walt Disney Story at Disney World's Magic Kingdom, there would be one of the concept models for the ride, and next to it would be Hoot Gibson, the owl animatronic, mm. and you could press a button and you would hear audio, and the audio of the owl would say things like, you know, my name is Hoot Gibson, I, I hope you come and see me when Western River Expedition opens in a few years, and he would kind of give a history of how animatronics work and how he works, and it was a nice little to what would have been an incredible ride. I'm the star of a brand new western show being made for Walt Disney World. I sure hope you'll come back and see me in the future at the Western River Expedition right here in Walt Disney World. And with that, that's Western River Expedition. Well, now I'm thoroughly depressed. (laughs) (laughs) 
I would have loved to have seen that. Wasn't this also going to envelop a little bit of the Disney, the Magic Kingdom Railroad? Yes, I forgot. At one point during the scene where the stagecoach was being robbed and they were the guys were going to rob you, there would be an opening that the Disneyland Railroad could go through and they could see that part of the ride, much how you could see Splash Mountain on the Disneyland Railroad. So that's the ride. I, I, I wish it happened. I really do. Yeah, it seemed like it was very involved and like it just seems like that whole area would have been like a bunch of little puzzle pieces together that just made one giant puzzle. Well, it's just a bummer because I don't think that the Imagineers wanted duplicates, right? Like, he wanted to create new things. They wanted to create new things instead of just literally having what ends up sort of being like identical parks on a different coast. Right. I mean, they did do duplicates. Like, they built both haunted mansions at the same time. They had their own differences. Well, yeah, I was going to say, they're relatively different yeah and even though pirates of the caribbean in florida does have its differences the queue the the outside and the ending yeah i think if they could help it they wouldn't have done so many duplicates mm-hmm. yeah it's funny because that actually did come up in the westcott research is that walt hated sequels and there were imagineers that worked on epcot that were like what 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 are we doing with westcott what is uh-huh. this like why are we doing this again <laughs> <laughs> I guess when people uh, start to love these attractions, they feel like other people in the world should enjoy it too. But uh, I like, I don't mind duplicates as long as they are different enough. Meaning like both Haunted Mansions, both Pirates. Yeah. So that's the episode. Did you guys like it? Mm -hmm. Before we go, I did. I just remembered a little bit of stuff regarding Beastly Kingdom. So um, one of the things also uh, that was expected was when Beastly Kingdom opened, whenever a park would open in Disney World, it would take away attendance from the other parks. And it was like an expected amount of percentage of people that it would take. Mm. And this almost doubled that once they opened um, Animal Kingdom and everyone panicked because attendance had dropped so much in the other parks and it caused them to take another another time funds were pulled is that they decided to pull those funds and allocate them to the other parks which is when they updated Mr. Toad into making mm. it the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh and so they started updating things at the other parks to bring in attendance to those parks mm. that was um, kind of a bummer also <laughs> yeah, well, when we talk about these particular attractions and, and, and lands not happening because of budget reasons, I also think about the other things that did happen around that time. And it seems like it would be impossible because of how expensive they already are going to be, not thinking about everything else. For mm-hmm. instance, all the Westcott stuff, like that's right at the same time they're designing, you know, Tower of Terror and Indiana Jones and mm-hmm. all that. Yeah. So at least we got some good stuff out of it. No, for sure. And I mean, yeah, you think about how elaborate Indiana Jones was supposed to be, yeah. which I think we talked about. Well, it's very reminiscent of Thunder Mesa. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think there's room for things from Westcott to like Beastly Kingdom end up at other parks elsewhere i think they could easily build another frozen attraction based on the mark davis snow queen attraction well, i was gonna say uh, we don't it want would, a frozen attraction we well yeah i love us i would love a snow queen attraction but at this point they would just have to end up doing frozen but if they did that attraction as a frozen attraction they obviously had to build it where an existing attraction was i didn't have to but they did so they made it fit there but yeah doing something like that in a new park somewhere would be great well they're doing it in uh 
Tokyo. I oh, think. they are? There's a whole expansion coming. It's uh, Frozen, Beauty and the Beast. Remember that great Beauty and the Beast oh, video? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Tokyo, and the Be- right? Yeah, I think that's Tokyo. So it's Frozen, Beauty and the Beast, and something else. Well, that'll be interesting to see, because maybe they'll bring some of these elements in there. It would be nice to see those snow people, but it'll be the trolls. And then, I think another great idea for a foreign park would be the Western River expedition because it's very american in spirit yeah and they seem to like that idea there in terms of like a lot of disney there's a whole disney sea area that looks very much like 1930s new york i mean yeah i would love that and the only problem no it's it's not really a problem overseas as much but it's difficult to put that much money into something that isn't a proven success yeah they're adding to tokyo disney they're adding a new port scandinavia with a frozen area Uh, that'll be a disney sea yeah that makes sense yeah and then tokyo disneyland adds a new fantasy land with alice in wonderland and beauty and the beast areas Ooh. between 2022 and 2024 well hopefully those won't uh make this series of podcasts (laughs) yeah i know They've, they've announced them now they just need to build them So where can everyone find us or what else do we have? Let's wrap this up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can find Remain Seated Please on the internet, on Facebook and Instagram. We're Remain Seated Please. On Twitter, we're Remain Seated Pulse, PLS. And be sure to like, review, and rate on iTunes if you can. Just like Manda Gianna, who says, new fan forever. I'm a new fan that found you on Instagram. So I wasn't around for your first podcast season, but boy, am I happy I'm following now and that you're back. As a huge Disney buff and blogger, I adore the music and banter from you guys. Love your pod and keep up the good work. That's so nice. Thank you. (laughs) So thank you very much. And uh, Susie, where can we find you on the internet? You guys can find me on Instagram at a little sprinkle of Disney. And Anthea, where can we find you on the internet? Um, at Remain Seated, please. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, I'm David. I'm Robert. I'm Anthea. Susie. Have a good evening. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Susie. Bye. <laughs> there. That wasn't so bad. Was it? I'll see you all a little later. You may not survive to pass this way again. Time to be moving along. Hurry back. And barrel around to see us again. I'd like to see Elsa with candles on her head.